and what his spirit wants to say to you today, you can enter into something that God has for you because God has the invitation and he invites us to respond. He, invi he invites us to take him at his word, regardless of our situation, regardless of our feelings, regardless of what the person next to us is doing. But when we take him at his word, what he can do in our life is limitless. When God spoke to Mary, it was a pathetic situation. She was a virgin. She'd never had sex. And yet God chose her to bring forth his Christ child. And that's how God does it. He takes the foolish things of this world, the weak things, not the mighty things, not the strong things, and he turns them around when people are willing to believe with their heart what they believe God is saying to them, and through that, he can transform their lives. So today, we're going to be talking about spiritual authority, but we're going to be talking specifically about how to grow in spiritual authority as his disciples. And I emphasize the word his because there are many disciples in the world. A disciple is basically a disciplined follower. There are disciples of many, many different people. And the Bible says there are many voices in the world and none without significance. But today, I want us to look at being his disciples, growing in spiritual authority as his disciples. Because Jesus said that on that day, many will come and say, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do great wonders in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name? And Jesus said, he will say to them, depart from me because I never knew you. Now, how's that possible to have the anointing to cast out devils, to do wonders? You know, when something's a wonder, you're like, oh my goodness, it's a wonder. It's amazing. So they must have done some pretty fantastic things. They were anointed. They were equipped to do those works. But on that day, Jesus is going to say, I don't even know you. Depart from me, you lawless ones. And so as we're learning about growing in spiritual authority, it's important that we understand we're doing it as his disciples, as his disciplined followers, with Jesus at the center of all that we're doing, all that we want to do, and all that we plan to do. Amen. Okay, so in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. In Matthew chapter 8, we've heard this scripture many, many times, Matthew 28, verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And as we're learning, learning about spiritual authority, we need to hear the truth of what God's word teaches. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And you know, sometimes when we hear the truth, it doesn't always taste nice. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember being a child and being given certain vegetables that you didn't like eating? No. I mean, I was one of those kids. I ate anything you gave me. But I mean, who here likes doesn't like Brussels sprouts? Okay. How about broccoli? No. Anyone here not like carrots? Cabbage? Yeah. So we've all got things that aren't pleasant to us, but they are good for us. Isn't that true? 
And sometimes when we hear the truth of God's word, do you know sometimes it can make you feel really uncomfortable? Is it just me? Yeah, there's sometimes when someone's up there and they're preaching and they're thinking, who, t- who told you what I did yesterday? Or who's been talking to you? And do you know, this is going to sound really awful, but do you know there are certain scriptures, and I've said this before, if I could, I would, I would, crush, I would crush them out. Because they make things really difficult for me. Yeah? But it's not about what I think or what's comfortable to me or what's palatable to me, but it's what God's word says. Okay? And there are things in his word that are, tr- that are truth. And when we accept it, when we believe it, when we allow it to change how we think, it changes how we behave, then we receive the freedom that God has for us. Because we don't just want to learn the, the gimmicks or the steps about how to release the anointing. Because if we've released the anointing, but on that day, Jesus doesn't even recognize us or accept us to come into his kingdom, what is the point of that? You know, the devil's, one of the devil's greatest weapons is deception. It is lying. It's deceit. It's subtlety. And the solution to that is the truth in God's word. And so God's word will present the truth as he says it. But then what sometimes happens is in our mind we think something different. Or we say, yeah, but you don't understand. Or yeah, but. God's word is clear. And then we try and... Um, rationalize why we are the exception. There are no exceptions to God's word. So, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And you know, when we receive the truth of God's word and we believe God's word, it ignites the kind of faith that can move mountains. I'm telling you, it really does. When Jesus said, you shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, Jesus wasn't just talking. You know, some people just like to talk, 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 talk. None of you here, but you know, people, some people just like, they like the sound of their own voice and they say things and, you know, they promise the earth and they never follow through. That's not Jesus. What Jesus said was very deliberate. When God created the heavens and the earth, he spoke his word. That's the power of his word that holds creation together. And it's the same way with God's word. And when we believe the truth, it's awesome what it can do in our lives. So Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And because God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, he was able to fulfill the call and the purpose that God had for his life. Now that call wasn't always easy. It wasn't always straightforward. He received opposition. He received people looking at him thinking, who do you think you are? We know where you come from. People got offended because of some of the things he said. But it didn't matter because God anointed him, God equipped him, God enabled him, God gave him the power to be able to do what needed to be done. He say, but he was God. Yes, he was fully God, but he was also fully man. And that's the wonderful thing about the Gospel of John. You see the humanity of Christ and you also see the deity. But Jesus was anointed. And the Bible says that when he came out of the water after John had baptized him, John saw the Spirit of God descend upon him like a dove. And the Bible says immediately he went out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And, you know, for some of us, those temptations might not be a big deal. I mean, okay, turn bread into a stone. Okay. 
But for Jesus, there were temptations. And we're not going to go into the whys and wherefores now. We'll do that. We can do that in another session. But God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And the same anointing that Jesus had, God has anointed us as well. That is the truth of God's word. God has anointed you for service. God has equipped you with everything you will ever need to walk in the power and the authority that God has given you. Everything you need, everything I need to grow in spiritual authority as his disciples, we already have because of the power of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. But we have to partner with him. We have to choose to believe what he says to us. We have to choose to take him at his word and when he whispers those things into our hearts and into our spirits, to embrace it. And not just sit on it, the Bible says to war the warfare of faith, to pray into those prophecies, to pray into those words until we see them come to pass. Now the word anointing has many, many different applications, but the two that I want us to look at today is justification and sanctification. The word anointing means to consecrate. When you make something special, when you make something holy, where you, de- you dedicate something for something. For example, when I was growing up, my mum had a cabinet of certain plates and glasses. And they would only come out at Christmas because they were special, okay? They were consecrated for something. Now, God has called us to live consecrated lives before him. His anointing upon us enables us to consecrate ourselves. And there are two aspects that I want us to look at very briefly. The first one is when we're saved... The Bible says we're justified. In other words, just as if we have never sinned. And the righteousness of God is given to us. The righteousness, let me say that again. The righteousness is given to us. The righteousness, the holiness. So when we as Christians sin and we say, I can't help it, lie I tell you, see? I'm telling you, when we sin, when I sin, Edmund, it's because I want to. I'm not, oh, I just, I just don't know what happened. You well and know what happened, and you well and knew it was coming around the corner, and you still went there same way, okay? Justification. Just as if you'd never sinned. So when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. And the other aspect of that is Sanctification. And sanctification is a process. We have been sanctified, we're being sanctified, and we're going to be sanctified. But here's the thing. That is when you and I partner with God through that process. And we're talking about growing in spiritual authority as his disciples. And so, sanctification is a process. In um, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Verse 15, sorry. Here, Peter encourages the saints to sanctify the Lord Jesus. Sanctify him as Lord. Set him apart as Lord in your heart. And you have to be deliberate about that because there are so many things in this life that will distract you from making Jesus number one priority in your heart. So many different things. And so it's something that you have to be deliberate about. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 to 10, here... It talks about putting off certain things. And as believers, as we seek to grow in the anointing, as we seek to grow in spiritual authority, there are things that we have to do to partner with Christ. Let's look at some of those things in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 to 10. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 to 10.
Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, that's sex outside marriage. Uncleanness, passion, evil desires and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. But this letter was written to the church. This letter was written to the saints. And so here we can see quite clearly that even as a believer, even though we've been justified, even though we have the righteousness of Christ, we still have a responsibility to actively take off certain things. When you get home, say it's a cold winter's day, and you get inside and there's a nice log fire burning, and you go in, you've got your lovely warm coat on, you don't just stand there and expect the coat to fall off, do you? Does anybody here just stand there like that and expect the coat to fall off? An hour later, you're still standing in the sitting room with your coat on. People think something's seriously wrong. Or you get up in the morning and then you're standing by your clothes just like this. And your husband or wife or children say, are you going to get dressed? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to get dressed. I'm just waiting. What are you waiting for? I'm just waiting for the clothes to just come, you know, just to. You have to physically put them on. You have to physically take them off. You have to physically clean yourself in the morning. Yes? There are things that you have to physically, you have to specifically, you have to be deliberate about. And I'm sorry this message isn't making you jump and scream and swing from the chandeliers. But the reality is that as Christians, we are supposed to tell the world or show the world what it's like to follow Christ. There's supposed to be a difference between how we live and how they live. There's supposed to be a difference between how we handle money and how they handle money. There's supposed to be a difference in how we show mercy and how they show mercy, in how we show forgiveness, in how they show forgiveness, in our integrity and in their integrity. But what can sometimes happen? We get so caught up in, I don't even know what it is we get caught up in, that we forget and we allow these bad habits to slip in. And we think because everyone else is doing it and because everyone else is getting away with it, then it's not so bad. This is, anyway, it's a bit long, isn't it? It's a bit much, isn't it? Oh, I can't log on to prayer. I'm tired. How many of you here log on to prayer? Log on to prayer, you're always feeling wide awake. I mean, sorry, Afriye. Afriye is the worst, man. She's so grumpy sometimes, isn't it, Afriye? She says, look, everybody, don't talk to me. I've just woken up. But she still logs on. <laughs> you know we love you, Afriye. But what I'm trying to say is, there are certain things that you have to do. You have to force yourself to do it. Because if you wait till you feel like it, you will never do it. I'm telling you. There are certain things... If you wait till, oh, you, you just won't do it. You won't. But God has given us the grace through the anointing of the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's not even like you have to do it in your own strength because he's given you what it is you need, but you have to access it. And the way you access it is by choosing to do the right thing by choosing to respond to his Holy Spirit, by choosing to do what you know you need to do and to not do what you know you shouldn't be doing. 
That's why Paul said, put off these things. Because it becomes second nature to them. It's normal. He said, no, 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 no. This is what you used to do before. You shouldn't be doing it now. We have to be deliberate. Now, I've got a phrase here which might seem really sacrilegious, but it's not meant to be. God's not an idiot. He's not stupid. He really isn't. Jeremiah 29, verse 13. Jeremiah 29, verse 13. Listen to what what it says. 29, 13, okay. And when you seek me, and sorry, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me. Doesn't stop there, does it? Be quite handy if the other bit wasn't there, really. And when you will seek me, and so and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. 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 All of your heart, all of your mind, all of your will, all of your emotion, all of your focus, all of your passion, all of your dreams, all of your ambitions, all of your time. When you seek me with all your heart, God's not a half-hearted God. Look, when he gave Jesus, he gave his best. He didn't have anything else to give. He gave his best. He gave his best. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, only begotten son. So that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And this is life eternal. This is what Jesus said when he was praying to his father before he was about to go to the, to the cross. And this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God, and your son whom you have sent. This is eternal life. This is what it's all about. It's not about playing church. Oh my goodness. It's not about making money. It's not about being the most popular, having the most followers, having the most... That's just rubbish. It is absolutely rubbish. We're talking about growing in authority, spiritual authority as his disciples. What will it gain a man? What will it profit a man? If you gain the whole world and then lose your soul. And what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Like I say, I didn't say it originally. I got it from someone. I can't remember who it was, but it was a very good saying, and I say it a lot. If money is power, time is destiny. When we search for him with all our heart. Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? To love people and to serve them. To love the community and to serve the community. 
Is that the first commandment? Because I guarantee you, if you love the Lord in first place, everything else is going to fall into place. Does it mean you're never going to have an argument? You're going to have arguments, but you know you have to apologize. Because you know the Lord, no, 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 you need to humble yourself. If you walk in with God, does that mean you're not going to be tempted to lie? Of course you're going to be tempted to lie, but you have to come clean. Does that mean you're not going to want to slap somebody? Oh, listen, let me just hit this, okay? Just because we don't cuss and slap and all the rest of it, it doesn't mean it's because we don't know how to do it. Let's just get that straight, okay? Some of us even did Kung Fu. Yeah! Bruce Lee business, enter the dragon, all that stuff, man. Kickboxing. Hey, the reason why, Ernestine, it's not because we don't know how to open our mouth and cuss back. It's just there's someone we fear more than you. In Haggai chapter 1, there there was um, lots going on. They were building the temple, building God's house. But God's people were busy doing their own thing. And the Lord rebuked them through the prophet Haggai. He rebuked them. Haggai chapter 1, verse 5 to 7. Is it up there? Okay, I've got it here. Thus says the Lord, 5 to 7, okay. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts. Can I just say, you know, when the Lord gives us words like this, it's not because he hates us and he thinks we're awful and he just wants to kill us, okay? Or because he doesn't understand the pressures we face. Jesus was tempted in all points, just like us. The Bible says we have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who can be touched by our feelings of inadequacy. Anyone here ever feel inadequate? Almost every day of my life I feel inadequate. But he can be touched by my feelings of inadequacy. That's why the Bible says we should come boldly to the throne of grace, boldly. Not afraid like worms, but come boldly to find grace and help in time of need. So in the midst of that feeling, in the midst of that pain, in the midst of whatever it is you're facing that you feel like, "Uh uh-uh, I cannot honor God in this situation. I cannot do the right thing in this situation. God says, come boldly to find grace and help in time of need because he can be touched by your weaknesses. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He was tempted in all points. And my friend, there's nothing new under the sun. It might be packaged differently, but there isn't anything new under the sun. Haggai chapter 1, verse 5 to 7. It says, Now therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. And you you clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Anybody, in fact, just, just look straight. Anybody identify with that scenario? Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. 
Malachi chapter 1, verse 6 to 7 says this, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If I then am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts? To you priests who despise my name, and the Bible says we're all priests in God's kingdom. This clarity, this um, clergy and laity, that's something that was introduced after the early church, that it was never meant to be like that. So we're all priests unto our God. All of us are. And we're supposed to serve in God's house and in the marketplace. It's not one or the other. Because your whole life belongs to him. So whether you're preparing a lesson for your class or preparing the communion here, it's all worship. That's why the scripture says in everything you do, Thank you. Hey, you want to come up here and preach to me, brother? I'm feeling, I'm feeling you, Andrew. I'm feeling you. Unto God. Honestly, seriously. We do what we do because of him. That's it. You know, I'd like to say I do this because I'm such a noble person or I do this because I'm full of intent. Look, mate, let's not get it twisted. It's because of God. It's because it's for him. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. Try not to get emotional. When he found me, I was, I was wretched. Nothing going for me. My life was a mess. My life was just rubbish. It was so rubbish. And it's so funny because when people say, oh, but Pastor Aisha, you know, you look like if a lie, you know, passed your mouth, you might wither and die. Girl, please, honestly, honestly, I mean, I find it hilarious that when I start to tell people about where I'm coming from, they think I'm just saying it to make them feel better or to make it sound like, you trust me, God has brought me from somewhere, okay? Anything of any value, anything of any significance, anything of any nobility, it's because of the blood of Jesus. And that is it. That is it. That is it. God, I'm telling you, it has to be for him. Otherwise, what's the point? What is the point? If it's not for him, what is the point? Let's just go in the world and have a good time. For to eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. But if we're serious about this thing, let's give it everything we've got. Because he gave us everything. He gave us everything. Spiritual authority as his disciples just stick to the where is my reverence says the Lord of hosts to you priests who despise my name yet you say in what way have we despised your name it's a bit strong isn't it saying we despise God's name and then he says you offer defiled food on my altar but you say, in what, way have we defiled, in what way have we defiled you? By saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible. Now, the table of the Lord in this context speaks about many, many different things. But it includes things like our interaction with him, the things that we do. You know when you sit down at a table, you, you sit down with an agenda to do things, to eat, to talk. Basically, it's talking about the things of God. And he's saying that you say it's um, contemptible. And saying like, But God, how are you saying that I'm saying you're house or your table or the things of God. It's when we say things like serving God's long. 
This is too much. What's all this? It's too much. We're treating it with contempt. That's what he's talking about. God's not stupid, you know. He has ears. And he hears the things we say. And he hears the things we don't say. I'll say that once more. He hears the things we say. And he hears the things we don't say. That's why the scripture says, pour your heart out to him. Not sometimes, but at all times. Because that's the only place of safety. That's the only place of security. Because if you pretend, if I pretend that I don't have an issue with God about something where I feel like, God, man, you let me down this one. This one, you think, the one's looking at me like, oh, mate, there are seasons in your life when things happen that make no sense. And if you're not careful, you'll end up becoming offended in here to God. But you'll never say a word. And you'll still serve him, but that area is like, no, we don't talk about that, God. I'll, you know, and it's there and it festers. And then it becomes a stronghold in the enemy and it begins to sap the life out of you. And there are some questions you ask God that on this side of eternity, you'll never get the answer. So some of those things, you just have to settle it. But when you bring it to the Lord and you're open and you're honest about it, then he can come and bring healing. He can come and bring restoration. He can come and bring peace and bring wholeness. Contemptible means low regard, disesteem, disdain, have a low opinion, despise. The feeling that someone or something is unworthy of your consideration or respect. And the solution is really quite simple. Revelations 2.5, repent. Repent from where you're falling. God doesn't make it complicated. We make it complicated. Repent. Admit how God feels about it and make a decision to change. Now, because of time, how long have I got? Five. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through my notes. I'm going to miss out some of the stuff. Okay. Okay. So when God anoints us, the word anointing also means to furnish what is needed. So... Take courage. If you are willing to embrace what God wants to do for you and you want to walk in the authority he has for you, the anointing that he gives you that abides within you by the Holy Spirit gives you every single gift, talent, skill that you need in order to fulfill that, okay? So don't feel like you're trying to twist God's arm to make it happen. The gifts and the callings and the talents are already in you. You just have to unlock them. And the way you unlock them it's like when you get a new phone. The best way to unlock it is to read the manual and do it properly. But how many of us really do that? Not very many. Try and find someone who knows how to do it. But then you never really fully understand the functionality. How much more your life? How much more your life? Here's your manual. Here's your manual. And your teacher is the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus said, I can do nothing by myself. He recognized his humanity and he recognized his need for the anointing of God. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, it says that he learned obedience. As a son, he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. Now, I looked at that word obedience and when I was looking at some of these words, in our nation, in our culture today, it almost seems like, um, let me just read them out. And be honest about the emotion you feel as you hear these words. So the kind of obedience the Bible is talking about that we should um, emanate, that Jesus um, portrayed, is attentive hearkening. Okay, that's not too bad, okay? So that means when the Holy Spirit whispers in your heart and you get that thought or that impression, it means you need to pay attention and you need to follow through on it rather than ignore it. Am I the only one who gets that? And I guarantee you every time... You follow through on that, that impression you get in your heart. It always works out. It's when you ignore it, you think, oh, I knew I should have. Or I knew I shouldn't have. Oh, the thought crossed my mind to do that, but I didn't. This is all part of the journey of him teaching us how to flow in the anointing. Because once I got that, I woke up and a thought came to my mind. There are armed robbers outside your house that are going to try and break in. And I thought, so I got up out of my bed, looked through the window as far as I could, and guess what I saw? Armed robbers with guns running along our compound trying to break into our house. My friend, when God speaks to you, it's good to listen. Well, we'll save that story for another day. Another day. Okay, so here, here's, here's the heavy ones now. Are you ready? Compliance obedience from God's perspective when it says son it's talking about position men are the women men are the bride of Christ women are the sons of God so it's not about this gender per se it's about the position so for you to act as a son right you have to show compliance you have to show submission you have to listen as if you are subordinate you have to conform to his commands compliance submission subordinate conform to his command it's like what we chatting about i'm my own person they didn't tell me to conform what slavery ended how many years ago oh really okay how's that working for you how's that working for you remember the enemy's greatest one of his greatest strengths is that he lies he lies and he doesn't say, oh, by the way, I'm lying. He makes it so subtle that if you're not careful, you'll think it's God speaking to you. Has God really said? He even tried it on Jesus. I mean, what on earth? He, try, he tried twisting the word on the word made flesh. I mean, who does that? He tempted Jesus. Jesus said, is it, it is written. But for, the devil comes back and says, yes, it is written. And tries to use the same words to try and deceive. But ah, oh, Jesus smashed him. Come on. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with David. David and the Lord is with you. The Lord is with me, but we have to cooperate with him because he wants to release this anointing. He wants to see an increase in our spiritual authority, but it has to be done properly because we're his children. 
And he doesn't want it to be a case of on that day, we've done all these wonderful things. And he's like, sorry, mate, who are you? And it's not because he doesn't know who you are. Obviously, he knows who you are, but it's figurative. In other words, that spirit that you're operating in, of all that power, casting out demons, prophecy, wonders, wonders of people thought, my goodness, did you see how that person did that? You say, it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't in my name. It wasn't for me. It wasn't for my kingdom. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. And because the Lord was with Joseph, because the Lord was with David, because the Lord was with Daniel, of all these different people, it affected how they lived. It affected the choices they made because they were walking with God and they were fully aware that God was watching. You know, there's a book in, there's in the book of Malachi. I'm going really quickly now. Please try and stay with me. There's a, there's a verse in the Bible that says, God has a book of remembrance where he remembers people who talk about him, who think on his name. Malachi, lovely, lovely scripture. God sees. If we want to grow in spiritual authority as his disciples, we have to be committed to a lifestyle, not a holiday in approach to prayer. Lifestyle. Lifestyle. The Bible says Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. The scripture says pray without ceasing. In other words, it means something that's done regularly. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Romans chapter 8 says the Holy Spirit knows the mind and will of God. The Bible says pray in tongues, pray in the Spirit to build ourselves up in Jude verse 20. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 29 it says we should speak in tongues. And so there's all these things available for us to use and to develop, to develop our spiritual authority. If we want to grow in spiritual authority as disciples, we have to be obedient to God's word and to his ways. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. Abide means to stay in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy. It means to continue. It means to dwell. It means to enjoy. It means to be present. It means to remain. It means to tarry. It means to linger. That's the place that God's word should have in our heart. In Psalm 11, Psalm 119 verse 11, most of us could quote this, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hidden means to hoard. You know when you hoard something, you know, some weddings, you go on the table and they put the food in the middle and you think, oh no, because there's always one person that hoards all the chicken. <laughs> it means to reserve, to protect, to esteem, to lay up. Jesus in Luke chapter 4 said, it is written. And so you cannot get away from God's word. If I, I mean, don't put your hands up now. How long have I got? About 10 seconds? Okay, 10 seconds. I'll do this really quickly. How many of you here... When's the, okay, don't, don't answer me, like answer me, but just answer yourself. Okay, so how many of you in the last two years have read through this Bible more than once? How many of you read this Bible at least half an hour every day? Don't, 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 don't tell me. And most of us would say, because we really don't have time, because we're just busy in the morning, we're busy, come back from work, busy, da, da. How many of you have watched the full season of Game of Thrones? Just saying. How many of you have seen Black Panther? How many of you see your box sets, whatever it is you like, elementary? I mean, mine are a bit boring, I know, but 
We find EastEnders. Is that what you watch, Frank? (laughs) (laughs) When you search for him with all your heart, when I search for him with all my heart, let's just keep it real. Remember the two people went to pray? One, man, the guy was so eloquent. He was like, Lord, I thank you that I've tithed, I give, you know, we would have thought, wow, that guy's a serious prayer. The other one, wretched individual, he was so depressed and so fed up and so distressed about his situation. The Bible says he couldn't even lift his head to heaven. And Jesus watched them both. And Jesus said, the one who was awesome and had it all together on the outside, he was the one God heard. So what Jesus said? No, he said, the one that most of us would have thought, why is he even in church? It's not being funny. Sort it out, mate. He was the one who went home justified before God because he recognized his need. And that's, if you don't, if you don't hear anything else I say today, just recognize our need for him. Because he has great things planned for us. He does. But he's not going to give it to us if we're not ready. And the only reason we're not ready is because we're not willing to respond to him. It's as deep as that. It's as deep as that. I'm going to read a scripture. And I'm going to do something a bit different today. I don't want you to come to the front. I'm going to ask the sound team to play a song. And I want you to listen to it. And as you feel the Lord speaking to your heart, I want you just to respond. If you want to stand, you can stand. If you want to sit, you can sit. But he just wants you back. He wants you back to your first love. He wants you back to the reason why you got saved in the first place. That it's as deep as that. Romans chapter 13, verse 14, 11 to 14 says this. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Beloved, God wants us to grow in our spiritual authority. But he wants us to do it within the context as his disciples. If you could play it, please. God of creation, there at the start. For the beginning of time 